0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 35 of Off the Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all very much for downloading our show today. Wherever you're tuning in from in the world, I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, as day two of the 2000 Sydney Olympic Games 20th anniversary begins, let's take a trip down memory lane to this day, two decades ago, and see what was going on. Now, in terms of the Olympics itself, this date was the date the opening ceremony was held, and who can forget that? What a spectacle it was. We had Aussie icon John Farnham and Olivia Newton-John, as well as a lot of hosts of Australian singers and dancers putting on a cracking show. Juan Antonio Samaranch called it the most beautiful ceremony of the world had ever seen of course we had some swimming legends in dawn fraser and shane gould along with some track legends past the olympic flame to aussie olympic icon kathy freeman to light the cauldron speaking of iconic what a moment it was almost as iconic as when she won the 401 gold but we'll get to that a little bit later in the week also big in 2000 harry potter and the goblet of fire was out on all good bookshelves hopefully that did well i'm not too sure uh the at the movies uh gladiator meet the parents and x-men were also doing really well but it's got to be said all eyes were on sydney and they were for the following two weeks as well they should be now listen history lesson is over for today it is on to today's special guest and as you guys know tuesdays here on the show is swimming nz day and today we have young gun and kiwi star michael pickett coming on for a chat I caught up with Michael a few weeks ago on Zoom, had a great chat discussing how he's been during the COVID break, how he got into swimming originally, his career so far in the pool, as well as what led him over to Australia and training under one of the best coaches in the business, Dean Boxall at St. Peter's Western. All that and a whole lot more. So let's get stuck in to today's episode because Ep. 35 with Michael Pickett starts... Now, away they go. No problems with the start. There is two one-hundredths of a second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's throwing him away now. Thorpe's strong more than a meter on
1: Vander Nurgen's hand. But the sinister
0: of all eyes is the great battle butterfly, Susie O'Neill. He's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Cevich in the white hats, Feth in the black hats, And Feth is well it. I cannot believe he's done no that. Fork in the hall. Bob goes in. Today on the show is a man who made his debut for the senior New Zealand swim team at the 2019 World Champs in Guangzhou. Prior to that, he had been killing it as an age group level athlete at Youth Olympics, Junior Pampax and Junior World Champs as well. Got a bronze medal in the 50 metre freestyle at Junior Pampax and he has broken and held many, many New Zealand age group records. It's a massive welcome to Off the Block Swing Podcast to Michael Pickett. Mate, how are you?
1: Good, thanks, mate. Yourself?
0: Yeah, I'm very good. I'm very good. I was going to list the uh, the age group records, and then I kept going and kept going and kept going. I thought, that nah, stuff it. That's going <laughs> to take too long. We're just going to say he holds many because got quite a few there. Yeah,
1: there's a fair few. That's from <laughs> when I, was, I think they start at twelve. The records. Yeah. So uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> Mate, where have we caught you today?
1: Uh, I'm in Brisbane, in in my apartment. You know, just had training this morning, so got a massage in a couple of hours. So you caught me at the right time.
0: Just a chill day. Do you go back to training mm. the Savo or you've got the Arvo off? No,
1: nah, I've got the Arvo off. How good? Mate, living your
0: best life. Um, exactly. You live in an apartment or do you live by yourself? Who do you live with?
1: Uh, my mum's here. She moved over here, started this year.
0: that has been real good
1: to help with, you know, nutrition and, you know, sleep and family environment and that, which is good.
0: Yeah, it helps, um, you know, keep looking after you so you can just sort of concentrate on the training and all those sort of things, yeah? Exactly, mate, yeah. Now, I mentioned there you went to the World Champs last year, so you would have been buzzing off the back of that, no doubt, for the Olympics and the trials this year and trying to yes, make your first yeah. team. How did you feel when it all got, you know, changed and obviously postponed, and how did you deal with that?
1: Well, obviously, it was going to be a huge year for me, hopefully. That was the plan. And um, when everything went downhill, was, you know, for me, the Tokyo 2020 is not the be-all, end-all. You know, it was just a, you know, experience type thing. Whereas, you know, 2024 is the main goal. So, you know, there's people worse off in worse off positions than me. Mm.
0: How are the family back in New Zealand? Was everyone okay? Did everyone, um, no one was affected in any other way?
1: No, nah, no, nah, it was all good. We're pretty lucky, actually. Like I said, there's way, way more people who've been worse affected than us
0: yeah in terms of you mentioned it there 2024 is is that sort of do you see this as a silver lining that you get another year to prepare to even be bigger and stronger for next year's trials if it does all go ahead
1: yeah 100 percent. i think so i think i have a way bit of shot um placing mm. in like higher rankings or whatever mm. so instead of just trying to make it i'm going to focus on you know trying to hit maybe top 16 or top 12 or something like
0: that yeah, nice. How'd you go with training during the break? I know you guys probably didn't have as much of a break as a lot of other people. You're pretty lucky in terms of getting back in, but what did you get up to? Did you make a home gym? Did you get to go to the beach? I mean, there's not really many beaches in Brisbane. Did you go up or down the coast? What'd you do?
1: Well, I actually went home for the uh, lockdown because I, I went back for trials and then you know, everything happened and we got locked down. So I hit, hit, headed back home to uh, Gisborne where I live, which is on the east coast of the North Island, and uh, was there with family, which was good, you know, it's always good to have family time, and I set up a bit of a home gym, I was quite like, I had like a bench press thing with a few weights and a couple of dumbbells, so that was good. I had a couple of weeks off, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> before I got back into it, but uh, yeah, it was pretty hard to motivate yourself, but you know, I got through it.
0: Must have been nice to get back home, though, see family, see friends. I don't blame you having a couple of weeks off if you're back at home and just sort of chill for a bit and just get back to normality.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's got to be done, eh? You've got to have a break every now and then and see family and whatnot.
0: Helps freshen the brain up, I think. Now, talking about coming back into it, how would you go getting back in? Was it easier or, or harder than you thought it would be? <laughs> well, I
1: obviously knew it was going to be hard. It's going to be hard for anyone who has however long off. And um, the first session back, I actually injured my knee because I was in hotel quarantine when I came back from New Zealand. Yeah. So um, I was sitting around doing nothing. You know, I think the most I did was a few press ups and crunches and whatnot. So (laughs) coming back in, I, I injured my left knee and it's still injured at the moment, actually, which has been pretty rough. But, you know, hopefully I can get it sorted ASAP.
0: How'd you manage that?
1: I don't know, eh? it's just, um, I think it's from doing absolutely like nothing on my legs for such a long time and coming back in and using fins and, you know, putting all that pressure on my knees and whatnot. Yeah. just making
0: sure it wasn't from your 18th birthday party mate and the shenanigans oh, out in the streets just checking please you know me i'm as <laughs> straight as i come <laughs> now mate, i know you train at st peter's Weston uh, with the high performance team there. head coach dean boxall talk to me around how that came about first of all and you coming over and you're in year 12 now i know mm-hmm. ha- and and also how much you enjoy being a part of that massive and impressive crew yeah so
1: um I moved to Australia start of 2018 when John Gatfield moved over. He was my old coach, mm-hmm. and um, recently he oh, I don't know when it was, maybe a few months ago. Yeah,
0: it went he back. moved
1: back over to Auckland. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm with Dean, which has been an awesome step up. I'm really enjoying it. Eh? The the people at training are awesome. You know, real good having amazing training partners in there, someone to chase. So uh, yeah,
0: I'm loving it. And, uh, mate, yeah, do you learn anything from those guys? Obviously, there's certain, you know, members of that team that are multiple Olympians and and world championship medalists and all that sort of stuff. So no doubt, you know, lessons to be learned.
1: Yeah, 100%. When when I first got in there, or even when I first came back in 2018, I was like, well, you know, I've been watching these guys on TV and that, but, you know, it's been awesome just to, you know, pick their brains and see what kind of stuff they have to give. And, you know, seeing them train is awesome. And uh, seeing them put in the hard yards, it's just real inspiring.
0: Eh? Mm, I could imagine. Well, I think that'd mm. be perfect just to sit in the stands and just watch a session with that crew. <laughs> like it's almost like a, a you know, a, a part of an Australian team. I know it's a, a swim club and it's a, a high performance, you know, squad. But yeah, if you go through that team and even yourself, mate, as an international, there's so many sort of uh, international. Representatives. Now, mate, one thing I like mm. to do on the show is take our guests back, and I know you're only 18, so we don't have to go back too far. Mm-hmm. But what are your earliest memories of swimming, and what sort of got you into into the pool?
1: Earliest memories. Um, I think I started competing when I was around six years old, seven years old, and because I come from a small small town in New Zealand, like I said before, it's pretty isolated. You know, there's like thirty thousand odd people there, so. Yeah. Um, I was part of a small club, you know, it was doing pretty well. It was good. And my whole family, uh, or my dad's side anyway, all swimmers as well, which is awesome. My granddad was like a national champion. So I guess it's just kind of been in my blood for, you know, generations and whatnot. So uh, my earliest memory was a tough question. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember much. <laughs> <laughs> but one that really stuck out was when I was. 12 years old, my first New Zealand record, that's kind of when I really wanted to, you know, take swimming seriously.
0: Mm. What were you like as a kid in squads, mate, as a junior athlete? Were you the one that was leading the lane? I know you're a sprinter, so were you sort of in the middle? Were you at the back? Where were you as a junior swimmer?
1: Mm. Um, I don't like saying this, but I wasn't always, you know, the best trainer. Yeah. So before I moved to Australia, I was... um, I was training, you know, four times a week, five times a week. And when I was 12, 13, 14, like twice, three times a week. Mm. So it was obviously a huge step up. And what really changed for me is, yeah, my my work ethic and stuff like that. And, you know, I like to always be one of those guys who's, you know, working the hardest and whatnot in the pool. Mm. So, Yeah. <laughs>
0: No, mate, I, I like hearing those sort of stories anyway because I think for the younger swimmers that are listening, you know, they're not all all of the kids that are leading the lane, or some are in the middle, some are at the back. Mm. I mean, you can go in front, you can go in front, and then they go to the bottom and pick up some leaves or things like that. I used to have a kid that would undo lane ropes. Um, <laughs> just randomly, you just see lane yeah, roads floating amazing. around. So mm-hmm. it's always good to hear, you know, what swimmers got up to when they were younger, because you know, there's many ways to skin a cat. Just to get on the national team doesn't mean you were a star prodigy and think. you were, you know, the gun leading the lane every time uh, at eleven. Um, yeah, growing yeah, up in yeah. New Zealand, any other sports? Did you play anything else?
1: Well, uh, soccer. Sorry, was my main sport up until I was about fourteen or so. So, you know, I was real into that, you know, swimming was kind of in the back. Mm. Obviously, like I said, I was only doing two or three sessions a week. So, And I enjoyed, you know, the team environment, playing soccer and that. And um, the reason why I stopped, because I was getting injured so much, you know, I pulled my hamstring a couple of times, ankles, you know, all the rest of it.
0: Yeah.
1: So that's when I, you know, I was like, right, I'll give this swimming job a crack and see what happens.
0: And then you just—it just took off. You've never looked back and thought, "Yeah, I'd still love to just put on the boots and have a kick about."
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Especially like around last couple of years when I moved here, I you know hear the stories about the boys playing in the first level and stuff. I'm like, you know, I miss it, but wouldn't let me do any other
0: sports (laughs) Oh, you're killing it you're killing it now anyway mate so i think you made a good decision now for a lot of people there's usually a moment uh could be in training could be at a meet and you could even just say that it was when you were 12 which you just told me before but what was the moment where you thought you know not only do i want to do this but i could be pretty good if i really wanted to i'd say junior
1: panpacks 2018 you know i went into that meet. You know, I was just happy to be on the team, happy to be there. You know, I was, what was that at the time, 15? I think my 16th birthday was on the team. Mm. And um, a couple of days after my 16th birthday, I had the 53. And I think I qualified third for the final. Or, yeah, it might have even been second. I don't know. I mean, I, I know you got thir- third. I don't know what you qualified yeah. for. Yeah. I know you
0: ended up third.
1: I think my first time under 23 was the heat of me to that meet. It was yep. 22.99. And then in the final, I was kind of like, you know, screw it. It's just, I'm just here. I've got nothing to lose. Might as well put it all on the line. And I got third. And it was just, you know, one of the best feelings still to this day. Mm. One of the best feelings I've ever had.
0: We'll touch on that in a minute. So I don't want to get into that too much because we will talk about sort of things that you learn on those trips and stuff like that. Another thing that swimmers often ask me and they listen to the podcast for this sort of advice is, In terms of, you know, your hard training sessions, and I have no doubt Dean's got a few up his sleeve that that challenge you physically (laughs) and and mentally. How do you go about sort of keeping focus throughout that set? Is it, uh, you know, one effort upon effort? Do you keep an eye on your goals? Like, what do you go through mentally through a super tough session?
1: Well, physically, um, Dean, I'm real lucky with Dean. He's always, you know, barking and everyone, you know, always motivating everyone, which is awesome to have, I think. But mentally, it's um, more just I sort of just think about my goals, you know, where I want to be. I picture myself, you know, at trials or whatever, looking up at the board and seeing that qualifying time. And, yeah, that's pretty much it, just motivating
0: myself. Mm. You're pretty successful as a junior, as I said, Um, you know, I can't even count on my hands how many national records I think you have. What was the key, do you think, to the success during your teenage years? I mean, you're still technically a teenager now, but, mm-hmm. I mean, did you have a mo at 13? Were you like a man child? What, what what was the key to your success <laughs> as a youngster? Because clearly you had some success. You've transferred it to to open success, which I want to talk about again later because I mm-hmm. think that's really important. There's a lot of swimmers out there that kill it at 12 and 13, but yeah, you yeah. never really hear from again. So I'm interested in how you did that, but talking about as a junior now, what do you think made you so successful as a youngster?
1: Um, I think I'm real lucky with my like talent and genetics. Like I said, my, you know, my swimming runs and runs in my family and my parents, are you know, also awesome, my real supportive, of, uh, never too full on or anything like that. But, you know, they let me do my own thing, which I think is good, good value, you know? Mm. And yeah, I don't know. I just must have the genetics and, The feel
0: for the water. Just blessed, you reckon? Mm, Yeah, I'm lucky like that. Well, I wish I could be that lucky. I was a horrible swimmer. I was (laughs) blessed in the wrong way. I was blessed with zero talent. Um, But 2018, pretty big year for you. You went to Youth Olympics, Junior Pan Packs, And we talked about the success you you had there at Junior Mm Pax And I'll get into that in a minute with the medal that you got. But what lessons did you learn? Because those really sort of first big trips away with the team. And were there any mistakes along the way? Were there anything that you 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 sort of are glad that you went through because it's helped you in 2019 with those big experiences? Yeah. Yeah,
1: well, like I said, 2018 was when I really came onto the scene. That was my first year in Australia where I stepped up that training. And at open trials, that was where I qualified for both those meets. Mm. And um, I think top two, like age group for the most FINA points or whatever, made the team.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, obviously, I was stoked when that happened and couldn't really believe it. You know, i going to the Youth Olympics. It's just like kind of a stepping stone for me. And to be honest, it was probably one of, you know, top two or three trips I've ever been on is Youth Olympics, you know, with the whole village scene and just the professional environment and stuff. Yeah, it's really awesome.
0: That was um, in Buenos Aires, yeah?
1: Yeah, Buenos Aires. Yeah, it was awesome.
0: And then, yeah, Junior Pampax, Fiji, bronze medal. You must have got a lot of confidence out of that to know that, hey, if I really, you know, step up here, I'm, I'm on the right track.
1: Yeah, that's, that's when I really realised I quite like performing under pressure. I don't let it, you know, some people under pressure, they, you know, they start spinning or they, you know, fall to pieces or whatever, Yeah. but I've always, you know, thrived off it, especially in situations like trials, when I've got to make a certain time, I don't really think about making a certain time. It's more about executing the perfect race, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's what I think helped me in the final at JPP because I was just up against you know these guys I was just this 15 16 year old kid just 16 and um I kind of just threw down and yeah it's just incredible really
0: where does that come from do you think because that's as you said not a lot of people can do that sometimes the, <clears throat> you know the occasion gets to you or you feel the weight of expectations mm you clearly find a way to you know, shut all that out and just follow yeah. the process. Is that something you've learned along the way? Did you have some really good sort of junior coaches at a young age that helped instill that? Where does that come from?
1: Um, I can't say anyone really taught it to me, but don't get me wrong, I still feel the pressure of the expectation and yeah. whatnot. I think that's completely normal for everyone, but um, I don't know. Just I'm not going to say you're either born with it or you're not, but you can definitely learn it. I think so, especially with things like sports psychologists and that, you know, I've had a couple of chats with people like that and it's been real, real valuable, I think.
0: Mm. Well, I think it's a great asset to have made, especially as you've got, you know, many, many more big steps to come in your career. So uh, I think it's definitely a great asset to have when you're racing. What's your favorite races?
1: Um, over the past, I'd say 18 months or maybe even two years, I've been focusing on the 50 freestyle mm-hmm. because, you know, at Junior Pan that's kind of where I thrived. And that was the one I was most likely going to qualify for and for the likes of Worlds and Olympics and stuff. So, you know, over the past couple of years, I've really been focusing on that. And um, But recently, you know, since I moved with Dean and stuff, we've been doing a lot more distance stuff. And I've been building up my hundred, so I'm real excited to see what I can do there because I haven't raced a hundred properly in you know over a year now, like mm. a fully tapered one. So that'll be real interesting. But I enjoy both, and I might even dabble in the 200 freestyle. <laughs>
0: oh, look out! So you starting to work on your your back end of the hundred, making yeah. that a lot stronger.
1: Hundred percent, got to be hey. done.
0: Had <laughs> to be done. Last year, big year for you. You had senior and junior world champs. Firstly, let's talk about junior because this was the, the last time you you'll be a junior. What was that experience like over there in Budapest? And how do you think you went in the pool?
1: Well, the thing is, obviously, senior worlds was first, and then junior worlds was second. So I, you know, kind of tapered for senior worlds, and then coming into juniors, I kind of held a long taper. Mm. You know, for like over a month or probably even more than that. So I think if I didn't taper for Senior Worlds, I would have been, you know, much better off. But I was like, you know, this is just a once in a lifetime. I can come here as a junior to Senior Worlds, I mean. Yeah. And so I feel like I could have performed a little bit better, not to make any excuses or anything. But, uh, yeah, Budapest was awesome. You know, coming from Senior Worlds, Obviously a real amazing environment and atmosphere, you know, thousands of people up in the stands and then coming into Budapest, it was more that wow factor was kind of gone for me, which was good. So I could focus you know, purely on the racing and I wouldn't get intimidated and whatnot. Mm.
0: What did you see as the difference between the senior and the junior? Obviously, you know, the level of, of competition was, was slightly different when you look at the yeah. names that were wandering around on a, a senior world champs. But there's definitely some guns at junior world champs. But what were the differences that you saw?
1: One of The main one, you know, like the physical one was just the stands. <laughs> Obviously, the stands at, in Guangzhou were, you know, way bigger. Yeah, and just uh, way more, you know, I don't know the word for it.
0: It was more grand.
1: Yeah, grand. That's, that's a good word yeah. for it. Yeah, I know what you mean. But that doesn't take away from, you know, the level of professionalism and stuff that was at Budapest, which I was, you know, real happy with. And it was good having people there, you know, my own age. We're all in the same boat, which was, yeah, it was good to see some awesome swims there as well.
0: You're one of the older athletes then on that team. Did you look at that as a chance to sort of, be a leader amongst the team. And obviously you would have had some great experiences with the senior world champs and you'd been on junior teams before. So did you use that to impart some, some knowledge on the younger ones coming through?
1: Yeah. Well, I wasn't actually one of the older ones. I think I was 16. I think I, I think I turned 17 during the uh, staging camp in Austria so there was a couple of 18 year old there, you know, real close to some of the older guys, you, you'd know a couple of them. Yeah. And um, obviously since I've been on these big trips and that, I did have a bit of knowledge to, you know, show everyone, which was good. And seeing the likes of, I don't know if you've heard of Erica Fair with her and that, mm-hmm. you know, she's a, she's a gun. She awesome, you know, gold medal. Real proud of her. That was, you know, awesome to see her, inspiring. Mm-hmm. And so I think for those younger ones, even though I'm a bit of a younger one myself, (laughs) it's more just, you know, not letting everything get to you. We're still here to do the job. You know, you've got to lock in. You can't be intimidated or, you know, wow factor. You've got to lock in and you're here for the job and you're on.
0: I love it. Um, talk to me about any pre-race rituals you have. Is there anything you've got to do before the race? Could even be in marshalling, could even be the night before. Is there anything you've got to do?
1: I know there's um, <clears throat> a lot more specific stuff people do, but I don't really have a you know, race-specific thing, which I'm actually working on for the next big meet. You know, you've know, you seen the likes of Phelps and you know Dressel and that sort of stuff. But mine is when I'm doing warm-up, I you know, do my breathing exercises and, that, and I, I put the AirPods in and I get some drum and bass going and um, you know do a few squat jumps and all that and I don't really have a specific set of actions I do.
0: That was going to be my next one, the pre-race playlist. So is it drum and bass? I know you keyword boys love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a big culture around <laughs> drum and bass. In New Zealand, which mm. I get around hard, that's so good.
0: What about the meal the night before? What's your go-to meal?
1: Um, pasta, probably high protein. Let's say chicken or bacon or something like that.
0: Yeah,
1: always good to you know get the good the right fuel before your meet. And um, breakfast is something like granola and protein yogurt, or with a few berries and stuff like that. And a banana.
0: And does Mum help you with that sort of stuff, or are you old enough now? You're pretty good with getting all that stuff ready.
1: Yeah, well, she's obviously taught me everything I know <laughs> about cooking and that, which is good. But she, you know, sometimes get home from training late. She's always got dinner there, which I'm real thankful for. You know, it's good value um, coming home and having it ready, so I don't have to, you know, go through the motions of making dinner and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Other than that, I make all my own lunch and
0: breakfast and all that sort of stuff. Mate, I agree with you. I think um, we undervalue sometimes the effort that people go to while we're a while. Mm. Like, I'm coaching till 7 o'clock, so I don't get home till 8, and there's always dinner ready for me by my wife, so I'm very thankful to her. Not yeah, that she yeah. listens to the podcast, but if she ever listened, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> do you have any uh, favourite sets, mate, that you look forward to ripping into during the week? It doesn't necessarily have to be a a set as such but what sessions do you look forward to getting stuck into
1: yeah like I wouldn't want to give away any of our secrets yeah yeah <laughs> but <laughs> um I think th- Thursday night is the hardest Thursday night Saturday morning are the hardest sets of the week and Tuesday night is sprint so obviously I always look forward to that
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's probably my favorite one out of the week yeah
0: what about uh, dry land stuff, mate, outside of the pool with St. Peter's? Do you, do you get stuck into the gym a fair bit?
1: Yeah, last season I was doing three gyms a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But this season, just for now, I'm doing two gyms. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to cut down a bit of muscle. Yeah, Because obviously when I've, I told you about my knee earlier, I've been doing pull with pads and then obviously I've just kind of blown up in my upper body. Mm-hmm. which is what, what me and Dean are trying to sort out
0: at the moment. Yeah, But yeah. Mate, just cutting back on muscle. It's, I have the same issue. I yeah, just have to, you know, I just get too big for my good. <laughs> Sometimes we just go to cut back. <laughs> um, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not cutting back muscle. I'm cutting back uh, fat. Uh, what about 2018? Uh, sorry, 19 World Champs, Guangzhou. Um, I know this was obviously before the junior world chance, but obviously this was a step up. You'd been to the youth Olympics. You'd been to junior Pampax. Were you prepared, do you reckon for that? Or is that sort of something that, you know, until you're there, you're not really ready for?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question actually. I think it's always when you first go to a big meet like that, you know, there is a bit of a wow factor, but what I learned the most over that, those few weeks was everyone's the same, you know, I'd look at, I'd look at, you know, the likes of Dressel and so, you know, some of the best in the world, Um, you know, they're all the same as us. They're all just people, you know, training hard. They're not really, they're not, you know, superheroes, as you'd say, like obviously they're really talented and amazing sportsmen. But what I learned is that everyone's the same, you know, no one's, you know, so-called better than you. Yeah. Everyone's on the same level. Yeah, it's just, it's just awesome.
0: Did you get starstruck? Did you see a few and just go, Shit, I never thought I'd be I never thought I'd be in the warm up pool with uh with, you know, Adam Pedio, or whoever it might have been?
1: <laughs> yeah, like in the back of my mind it was there, but you know, like I said before, you know, you can't get can't put these people on a pedestal. You just gotta get the job done. And what I hope in my mind anyway is to be up with those guys, mm. you know, in a couple of years and be even
0: beating them. Hey, racing-wise, how do you look back on South Korea?
1: Um, I did not fully taper for South Korea. That was where I was kind of coming down, but we wanted to go fast. So he, I think I went 22-5, and I, I think I placed 30th or something like that. I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure, 31st. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think semi-final was 22-2, which is you know, pretty achievable, I think, in the next couple of years. And um, that's all I did. I didn't even do the 100. Oh, I did do the 100. No, I didn't. That was it. Junior Worlds. My bad. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> Mate, talk to me about, for some people who might not understand, obviously you train in Australia, your coach is Dean, but then you go and you're racing for New Zealand, so there'd be team coaches around there mm-hmm. as well. Where? How do you find the balance? Where, where, does, where does Dean's job uh, finish and the New Zealand coach's job take over. I mean, I'm even interested in this from an outsider's perspective. I yeah. mean, so that plan you're talking about, is that yourself and Dean's plan? Is that yourself and New Zealand's plan? Yeah. Where does that all sort of fall?
1: Yeah. Well, Dean would take care of all my programming and stuff like that. So he'd hand over my taper sessions to, you know, whoever's my coach mm-hmm. on the team. So he's pretty much, you know, he's still the driving force. It's pretty much just someone else on the watches. Which is good, which yeah. I think is valuable, and especially because Dan's making all these teams in there. Obviously, he um he's going to be there and warm up and stuff. If I need to ask a few questions or stuff like that, he's real good with that. Mm.
0: And that's an easy balance for everyone. Then everyone sort of knows their position, and, and it all rolls off easily.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, from an athlete's perspective, yeah, yeah. Mate, Hopefully. did
0: um did the some of the more experienced swimmers give you any tips? Obviously, being a sprinter, you know, you would have. Uh, looked up to Dan Hunter and obviously Matt Stanley was there. And then you got Lewis who's just coming along such as much as yourself and Zach Reed. Um, yeah. Did any of the more experiences swimmer sort of pass on any tips, look after you?
1: Yeah, we're all real close. Eh? I love those guys. Um, it's a real good culture we have going on there. So obviously Matt Stanley's retired now, but I, I still got Coast and Sam every now and then having Dan, which is always good fun. And, you know, Lewis and Dax are my, you know, best mates in and swimming and that. And they obviously did help me. They've been on those teams before. You know, they saw that sort of big competition. So I think it was real valuable just, you know, seeing them do what they do, see how they warm up and lock in and stuff like that.
0: Mate, you say you go down and, and visit Matt on the weekend. You don't go down on, like, the Sunday or Saturdays to, for Cuzzy Pies, do you, for the farmer's markets?
1: 100% the best pies. <laughs> In the country, if anyone's listening that goes to those markets or whatever, give them a follow on Instagram and have
0: a pie. Absolutely, I'm promoting it all the time. I'm still waiting for my stinking pies, though, Matt. If you're listening, I've, <laughs> I've asked for a couple to be sent down. you know, I'm a guy who loves these pies, so. I'll well, the definitely... butter chicken one is unreal. I <sighs> will have to keep an eye. Anyway, on enough about food. One. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting <laughs> hungry, are you, mate? Yeah. <laughs> now I'd mentioned before that um, I'm definitely interested in in terms of you and how you've been able to transfer your you know age group success but now you're on to the senior Mm -hmm. team as well which I think is really important because gets lost a lot we see a lot of you know even just in Australia some great 11 12 13 14 year olds and I'm always sort of just cautious and I go okay well let's just see them in five more years though because if by that stage they're not at least attempting, you know, almost on the Australian team, then something's gone wrong along the way because yeah, they're definitely yeah. on that trajectory. For yourself, how do you think that sort of progression went and what do you think was the keys to helping it go so well?
1: The key for me was being not doing many sessions as I was growing up. So I wasn't really, you know, thrashing myself. So I was doing like three or four sessions a week and my competitors were doing, you know, like 11 or 12 or however many. So I think just that gradual build up, which is what I think my parents did really well for me, which I which I'm thankful for. Mm. And they, you know, brought me up perfectly to when I moved over to Australia, you know, kicked it up a notch and um yeah, it just went from there. And I see it, I see it often too. I see, you know, some awesome age group swimmers in that and I don't know what goes wrong, but yeah. Maybe they just thrashed as a youngster, you know, and they lose their love for the sport. That's what I've seen happen a couple of times,
0: which is
1: unfortunate, but, you know, it happens.
0: Mate, uh, I agree with you. We see it a lot, but I think the good thing in this day and age is, and this is for all the listeners out there, that the average age now of a world championship finalist and things like that is 22, 23. I mean, there's outliers such as mm. yourself that are coming through that are 18, 19 and, and, you know, gun youngsters. But at the moment, the average age of a final is around that 23, 24, So mm it doesn't matter just because you burn out at 16 and you want to have a break that that's all over for you, but people can come back into it. And I was talking to Anna yeah, Hopkin, a great um, team GB sprinter not long ago. And she actually was national champion at 13, which is yourself. And yeah. um, she said, I don't want to do this anymore. Gave it up, came back at 17 when she wanted to do it. Cause at that time, I think she felt pressured to, to do, um, yeah. you know, certain sessions, as you said, and, she came back and, and, mate, she's a gun now, as you know, and she's training with Adam Petey and Mel Marshall and, yeah. uh, and she's killing it. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference if you sort of go at 16, I want to break. There's still so long in, in your career if you want to give it another crack.
1: Yeah, 100%. Like, i got personal experience with that. Not myself, but um, my cousin, Josh, he, he was a breaststroker. I think he quit when he was about 15. And then probably 18 months, two years ago, he's come back. And now he's, you know, one of the biggest spray strokers in Australia oh not Australia, sorry, in New Zealand. Yeah. He's trying to make the Olympics. So I think it's hundred percent doable. Was
0: that a, was that him I saw on Instagram yesterday? Was it yesterday the day before in the gym?
1: Possibly, did you, yeah. Did you see that? He's on I he was bench benching. Guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's a beast on the bench, i tell you <laughs> that much.
0: Now, mate, you're a part of a very exciting you know, crop of New Zealand swimmers coming through. Lewis, as I said, Erica, I've had her on and what a gun she... I'm very excited to see where yeah. she's going to end up. Um, Zach do. Reed, Ali Galli has just come back to, and moved to New Zealand and, and she's a, a gun backstroker. Heaps more to go through. How, how excited are you to be a part of that? And, and do you take that... Um, you know, sort of on, on your chest to say, you know, I want to be a part of the next crop that really puts New Zealand swimming. Not that the ones before you haven't done a great job because they, they did, but you know, put it right on the map.
1: Yeah. I think it's awesome seeing, you know, all these youngsters coming through, even the likes of, I guess, 18, 19, 20 is still relatively young. Like Lewis, he's doing awesome things for the sport. Same with Zach and Ellie and Erica, obviously. I think we've got an awesome, you know, group of people coming through. And I think we can, you know, really put ourselves on the map, like you said. And I'm yeah, I'm happy to be a part of it.
0: I'm stoked. Mate, the only thing about Lewis is I'm waiting for those apparently ISO creams can't get sent over here. But really? uh well, yeah, for a couple freebies too, mate. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> apparently they would melt, but um, it makes sense probably because mm. it's ice cream. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you get up to away from the pool, mate?
1: Um, I play with a bit of Warzone with the boys. Yeah. You know, the likes of Dan and Matt, oh, not Matt, and Zach and Lewis and stuff. Mm-hmm. We all have a bit of a game, which is good in the spare time. But, you know, most, most of the time I don't really have time for that. But these days, you know, during the holidays and stuff, it's always good fun keeping in touch with them and having a yarn.
0: Who's the best cool gamer, stuff. do you think? Because I'm assuming the opinions on that would vary.
1: Yeah, Zach thinks he's, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> but, yeah, we're all pretty good, eh? So I'm, I'm not going to say anyone's better than anyone else. Yeah.
0: You save that, save that for the gaming. Like, what's the banter like? I can only imagine listening to you boys just waffle on while you're gaming some of the... Yeah,
1: yeah, we spin <laughs> heinous amounts of yarn, but eh?
0: it's good fun, though. Mate, um I know you're in year 12, Well, how do you find the balance between swimming and year 12? It's a pretty big sort of um, year for you.
1: Yeah, well, last year I actually missed, you know, a lot of school, obviously being away on those big comps and that. Missed over a term of school and I um, missed, like, you know, a couple of units Mm -hmm. and the content and stuff. So um, I ended up dropping a couple of subjects just to lighten the workload, you know, which I think has been real good for me. And I think it's easier now because I've got study periods at school, so I can, you know, get most of my study done during those. And when I'm home and stuff, I don't have to stay up later. You know, I want to get a good eight hours sleep every night. And um, I think that's been real helpful for me, which I'm thankful to the school for, obviously, for understanding where I'm at. And yeah, it's pretty. I'm pretty happy with how I'm doing, balancing school and swimming.
0: Mm. For all the younger listeners out there, do you think that is the key of of having the partnership between yourself and the school, and having them, you know, understand what you're going through, and that there may be, you know, certain times where, not school isn't the priority, but swimming needs to sort of take yeah. over for a brief period because it is important.
1: Yeah, yeah like obviously, not all skills are like that, unfortunately, mm. but for ones that are, I think it's a real big help if they understand, you know, you might. Say you're at a competition, a week-long competition, you know, one of the biggest ones of your life, and you have to get an assignment done and stuff. It's just, you know, not good timing, obviously. And if you can maybe delay that or get it done beforehand, so the school, you know, understands that, I think that's real valuable.
0: Yeah. Made something else you mentioned there that piqued my interest was sleep. Now a lot of my swimmers. Um, I'm going to say, especially the boys spend far too much time. I think on their phones at night mm-hmm. and not enough time going to sleep. Uh, it's almost like uh, if they see the light flash on there, they've got to get back up out of bed to go quickly check it. Cause they're going to miss something. How important is, how important is sleep for you? Do you think, or how important is sleep for everyone and all athletes who need to get up in the morning and perform?
1: I think it's, you know, probably one of the biggest factors in performing, especially in training, you know, obviously the energy levels and you just all run feel better, which um I think, yeah, like I said, probably one of the most important things. I try to get to sleep at 8.30 every night, mm-hmm. wake up around, you know, 20 past 4, half past 4, so that's uh, eight hours. And Yeah, obviously it's hard to kind of fit everything in. But if you put put away your phone, you know, don't go on it for so long at night after dinner, you know, it's pretty easy to achieve,
0: I think. Great advice now As you know Because you've listened to a few I like to finish with some less serious questions And hopefully you're a bit prepared Mm -hmm. for this now Because you would have known these were coming So I'll throw it out there And you just throw back at me Whatever first comes to your head These are just questions to best get to know What you like out of the pool So what's your favourite music to listen to? Drum and bass Drum and bass What about favourite movies to watch?
1: I quite like Sci-fi's like Inception, Yeah. you know. I'm one of those guys, like most guys, like Inception and stuff like that. And obviously, everyone's favorite, every guy my age, favorite movie is Wolf of Wall Street, which is good. You know, I like a good comedy, and um, I do enjoy Marvel actually. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: Now, Wolf of Wall Street, that wouldn't have anything to do with uh, Margot Robbie, would it, and her part in the movie? No comment. <laughs> I think
1: everyone knows what that movie's like and, absolutely
0: yeah. yeah she does a great job um, what about your favourite meals outside of obviously we talked already about what you need to eat to get ready to to perform but outside of that if you get a cheat meal and if you get to sort of splurge what's your favourite stuff to eat um
1: um I guess that's something bad <laughs> but I do enjoy junk food a lot actually i mm-hmm. struggle with that in the past and I'm lucky with my metabolism, it doesn't really affect me too much. Mm -hmm. But, you know, talking with my nutritionist and that, I've realized that when I do eat better, I do feel much better, I've got way better energy levels. So that's been a big factor for me.
0: Yeah.
1: But my favorite food would probably be pizza or burgers or ice cream.
0: You know, I'm a how a, sort of thing. Yeah, How good is a pizza on a Friday night? Now, listen, you do need to stay on top of that because I'll give you a tip. This big body here used to have abs at 18, 19 when I swam as well. Oh. And uh, metabolism is great at that time, but if you keep eating yeah. the foods that you were eating, yeah, it, doesn't it catches last up to it, you. Right? No, 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 <laughs> no, it doesn't. I still look back at those photos. People don't believe me. I had abs. Um, <laughs> what about some of your favorite countries you visited, mate?
1: Um, Europe was awesome. So countries like Austria and Hungary, those are real cool. But my favourite one of all time would be Japan. Mm-hmm. That was insane. I didn't get to go to Tokyo. I'd like I would like to go to Tokyo this year obviously. But we stayed in Kobe for our staging camp before Guangzhou. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was, you know, like the movies
0: really. Now, yeah, you wouldn't have yeah, got I a chance to, to New do New it. New you wouldn't have got a chance to do it then, but if you could go back, would you go skiing? Like, you, <clears throat> growing up in New Zealand, you guys have got some great slopes over there. Do you enjoy skiing?
1: I honestly haven't skied since I was about seven, eight years old. And I remember once I was going down the hills, like my first time or whatever, and you know how you do a pizza shape to slow down? I, uh, I was doing that, and then I just did the splits and crashed into one of these <laughs> families. So I've never gone back.
0: <laughs> well, mate, I nodded my head when you showed me it because I have tried it. I was actually, we went skiing when we went to New Zealand, we went to Christchurch, uh, went to Mountain Hut, and uh, I thought I was going pretty good. I've never skied before in my life, but I was killing it on yeah. the practice slopes and you know going straight <laughs> past all those little kids. So yeah. I was like, sweet. So I got up to the top, started going down, tried that move and it didn't work. And I thought, okay, we're in some trouble here. And yeah, I'm, I'm exactly. a bigger unit. So I started building some pretty good momentum behind me. <laughs> yeah. um, so in the end, I, honestly, I had to just drop down because I couldn't stop. And I was either going to go off the side, which God knows where that took me, uh, yeah. or I was going to smack straight into the side of the, the mountain. Yeah, so i had to I got just,
1: memories of that.
0: Yeah, I had to just drop. And the worst part was a little, I'm going to say, Japanese kid, five-year-old maybe. Just stopped on a dime right next to me and said, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Listen, you're gonna have to keep." I, I appreciate the, the niceness, know. but um, the fact that you just stopped like that is really pissing me off. So you need to keep mm. moving, kid. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> keep moving.
0: <laughs> what about uh, TV shows to binge watch? What do you like to watch on Netflix? Oh God!
1: Over lockdown, I watched way too many series, eh? Like an unhealthy amount. <laughs> but, um. One of my favorites of all time is Prison Break. That's mm-hmm. good.
0: Did they make a, Did they bring that back?
1: Yeah, they, they made a fifth season a couple few years ago, and it just came on Netflix last oh earlier this year. I think everyone's been watching that. And I also enjoyed Money Heist. That was real good.
0: Waiting the, for season five. That, <laughs> oh, that's a okay tip. Money Heist. I think um, I remember as a. Maybe it's called Tower Heist. Anyway, it was a movie with Eddie Murphy and Ben Stiller. But anyway, yeah, I don't Yeah, yeah, it was, was funny. Uh, what about babe, your favourite games to play? Obviously, you play games with the boys. You're a gamer. What do you enjoy mm-hmm. to play?
1: Oh, just a bit of Call of Duty. That's you know the main thing. Don't really play much out.
0: What about favourite quotes?
1: Quotes? Um. Oh, there's one one on my head, but I can't think of it. It used to be the one I always go by. Obviously, it can't be that
0: important. No, it's all good. I know what you mean. It is hard when you put on the spot because it's easy for me because I've got it all here and I'm ready for it and I've got it all ready to go. But when you're sort of put on the spot, you don't know it's coming. (laughs) It's not as easy. Um, Mate, when we redo this interview... In two or three years' time, let's say, let's say even uh, four years' time, let's go past twenty twenty four Olympics. What accomplishments would you be, you know, like me to be putting up there in that intro? Well,
1: but obviously, one of my biggest goals. Well, my biggest short term goal was to make the Olympics this year, mm-hmm. and my long term goal was to, you know, medal at twenty twenty four. So, if you can say I'm an Olympic medalist. You know, I'll be more than happy, even a world medalist. You know, in 2022, when the Kong Games are on, obviously want to get a medal there. because That'll be like, you know, the first big meet I can really um, compete at, you know, at a high level. So, yeah, that's pretty
0: much it. Well, mate, thank you very much. I think it's a great chance to to wrap it up there. Um, I want to thank you very much for agreeing to come on. As I said, it's been a while in the making this, mate. You're a busy man. We go backwards yeah. and forwards. There was one day I was busy too, and then there's one day you were busy, but we made it yeah, work. We got there in the end. Um, so I, I definitely appreciate you you know, make, making the time to come on for a chat. And I've said this before and I'll say it again because I genuinely do mean it and believe it. I hope that the New Zealand listeners and the Australian listeners get right behind you guys on, on the NZ team because I think it's an exciting time over the next four years for you guys there's some superstars out and out superstars on that team and i'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys um can do and what you're capable of and the phenomenal work that you'll go on to do and hopefully inspire the next generation of new zealand swimmers to come through as well and i'll uh, i'll be very proud to say that i was the first person to be starting to tip people off about you guys as well and making sure we we're shining the light where it needed to be shined thank you very much um, but no mate thank you very much for coming on off the block swing podcast Awesome. Today's episode is proudly powered as always by Pro Swim Workouts. So many more brilliant interviews coming your way here on the show, so keep your ears fixed to hear on Off the Block Swimming Podcast, on Apple Podcasts, or on Spotify, and given that we are being nostalgic this week, make sure you head back in our archives and listen to some of the incredible legends we've had to be a part of the show, and get their accounts of the Sydney Olympic Games, including Michael Clem, Gian Rooney, Grant Hackett, Brett Hawke, Ash Callis, Daniel Kowalski, Patria Thomas, and of course the super coach himself, Mister Bob Bowman. So many incredible interviews to go back and relive, especially, as I said, around their stories of the 2000 Sydney Olympics. Now, until tomorrow, guys, keep smiling, keep hustling, and it's bye for now.